Welcome to episode 60 of the Force Geeks, a Star Wars podcast where X-Wing marks the spot. This is our 15th show of our second season of the Force Geeks, a Star Wars podcast. We appreciate you joining us once again, and a big thanks, as always, to our friends at DailySuperhero.com, where you can find focus coverage on movies, TV content, and more for Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Ghostbusters, and so much more. Also, please support us by subscribing and leaving us a positive review. It really makes a big difference for us, and we really enjoy seeing what you have to say as well. This week on the show, the rumor mill's rolling with a report that a legendary Jedi will play a role in the upcoming Andor series. What that Jedi is, or actually I should say who that Jedi is, and whether you can trust that report. And back to rumors, of course, the Rebels character that is said by some to be the new face of the upcoming Rangers of the New Republic show, the lead character, some are saying. And also possible solo show for Luke Skywalker? Maybe, maybe not. And we've also read the first book of the new High Republic series and have already started on the second one. A quick review of book one, which is Light of the Jedi, and what you need to know if you're just a casual fan. He said, no, I'm not investing in a book. We'll go and get you covered so that you know what happens there. Ming-Na Wen's bounty hunting character of Fiddick Shand from The Mandalorian gets a new animated look as the character we'll see in the upcoming series The Bad Batch, which of course drops on May the 4th. Colin Trevorrow's version of Episode 9, Duel of the Fates, gets a fan-made comic. What you need to know about that, and uh, we'll also chime in on whether or not it should have ever been made into a movie or not. And of course, or not is what happened, so you can depend on that. In the meantime, I'm Nate Custer, coming to you from Northwest Arkansas. I'm joined by my fellow Force Geek from Seattle, Jake Scott, and DailySuperhero.com founder Daniel Wolf from Cleveland, joining us once again this week. So glad to have you back, Dan. In the meantime, I'll start with you, Jake. The week, uh, it's been kind of quiet for Star Wars news. Uh, because of that, I'm not as excited as I normally am, but I will get over it for the purpose of this show i don't know so. i mean my star wars week has been pretty exciting since i booked my tickets for galaxy's edge on may 4th hello uh so jealous mm. so jealous such well, a great place to be yep. dan you've been to galaxy's edge uh what's jake in for when he heads that way i've been four there times. four times oh boy <laughs> nice uh make sure what do you, you think's the first thing he's make, make sure what's you, the first thing he's got to do you have the disney app yeah. So that way you can plan and schedule everything like real time and do changes for reservations for food. And because if you don't, then you're just going to be standing in lines endlessly. Yeah. Although and, uh, I hear from my uh, on site source that has made his 25th trip to Disney World so far this year, yesterday, um, that with 35% capacity limits, it's not as bad as it could be. So. I was there yeah. this is the way. over the new year, <laughs> and I think it was 30% capacity, and I'm pretty sure the entire 30% capacity was actually in Galaxy's Edge. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so it's it might sound like it's going to be uh, less crazy, but that's still the focal point. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm still expecting craziness, regardless of what capacity limits there yeah. might be. I mean, it's kind of the sad thing with Hollywood Studios, because you're going to Orlando, right? Yep. Um, the sad part about Hollywood Studios is that it's all about the Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge, and then the rest of the park is just so neglected and just needs more upgrades, because, you mm -hmm. know, that's... Yeah. I, obviously, it's the two newest parks, or additions to the park. Um, yeah. But uh, they, they, need, they need to bring some draw out of those and into another section of the park, because it's... 
you know, if you want to go in the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular and watch that show, you know, easy peasy, you just walk in. Even Star Tours is usually <laughs> no wait. Usually yeah. Star Star Tours is like an hour, hour and a half wait. Now it's like thirty minutes. I mean, yeah, nobody cares about the rest of the park anymore. You know, I went to Star uh, Star Tours a couple of years ago. I still enjoy that ride. I like the additions they made to it. Uh, it's I think it's even updated since I went there a couple of years ago. It's not anything what I expect to come from Smuggler's Run now, but still, mm-hmm. I, I still think it's a fun thing to do. It'll always be fun for me. The Rise yeah. of the Resistance is the is the ride to ride. That's the pinnacle. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. make sure that looks amazing. Are, are, Immersive. Are you staying on property, Jake? Uh, we are not staying on Disney property. Oh. No. That's going to be really hard for you to get uh, Rise of the Resistance boarding passes then because you have to actually be in the park by a certain time yeah, and then 7 pull up your phone. And then, whereas yep. if you're staying on property, you like we did, you just wake up at 7 a.m. and then just roll over in bed. And they, they, they know you're on property, so you don't have to be in the park. Well, we might have a bit of uh, a hookup there with the uh, whole employee connection. I don't know. We'll see what we can leverage with that. Of course, they can't get into Hollywood Studios at all. They're blacked out, uh, have been for a while. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm pretty jealous, man. I would imagine it will be crazy since it's May the 4th that you'll be there. Yeah. Of any day of the year to be there, that is probably the best day in terms of significance to Star Wars yeah. fans. So I could not I would do expect that day, to be no matter what turn it costs, sure. you know, since yeah, I'm going to yeah, be there over that yeah. time. I'm, so I'm, I'm sure the uh, capacity will be increased by then, too. Maybe. You would think, you would think, as things tend to roll out with the vaccines and all that stuff, and also it's in Florida, which is kind of a different set of rules they play by down there, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, I'm just calling it as I see them, okay, guys? Just call them as I see them. Oh, yeah, sure. It's definitely uh, <laughs> uh, a state-by-state thing, so. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, be sure you join us on our social media platforms, everybody, which includes our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for us at The Force Geeks, and you can also join our Facebook community group so you can interact with other listeners of the show to start a conversation, share your favorite memes, of course. You got news, whatever it is that you want to share, that's where you can do it. You can find that by searching for The Force Geeks, a Star Wars podcast listener group. And, hey, we have listeners around the globe, and we want to thank our international folks for listening. Uh outside of the U.S., that is. So hello to our friends in the European city of Prague, which is located in the Czech Republic. Prague is a political, cultural, and economic center of Central Europe, if you didn't know. It has a rich history of the thousand years of its existence and was once the capital of the kingdom of Bohemia. I just saw that, and I just had to throw that in. It's Bohemian. Uh, It's a beautiful city and very popular destination for tourism. And if you want to say hello there, you say ahoy. Which I think is, uh, you know, I think pirate terms at that point. Ahoy yeah. there. But it's actually ahoy. So I'm not mocking you. I'm just noticing That's it's epic. an English word, too. Yeah, I like it. So, again, thank you for listening to our folks in Prague. Really appreciate it. Every week I try to find some of the cities that we have listeners oh, yeah. in, and I just want to single those out. That's so a bucket list cool place for me, are. for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. All right. So let's get started with some of the rumors. I'm just going to say right now, I'm going to have a hard time censoring myself when I talk about bullshit, because these are some <laughs> bullshit rumors, I think. Um, we'll, we'll get into this. I know. Sorry, Chewy. We'll hang on with that. Uh, let's go ahead and get started with the first one, and that is that we go to news of a casting of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi in the upcoming Andor series. Now, this may not be BS, but it is possible, guys. Uh, I know that they're trying to do a lot of interconnected stuff, but the reason I say it's BS is because I've seen no major trustworthy outlet reporting that. And of course, I'm talking about Deadline. I'm talking about even uh, TMZ or The Hollywood Reporter, Entertainment Weekly, uh, 
some of these different sites that we could expect to see slash film even I would take there, none of these are reporting this to be true. I'm going to go turn it over to Dan right now. Likelihood that this is legit when none of those major outlets are reporting the, the most trustworthy that we can go to for entertainment-related news. What is your thought on the fact that this is being run out there, that uh, Kenobi will be in the Andor series? Do you give it much weight? Did you have a little poop button for a sound effect right now? I, I need to put poo in there. I definitely need to make poo yep. in there. But poo-doo. I know that, uh, you know... One. It's poo Yeah, we... we we absolutely love Obi-Wan sure. Kenobi. And uh, here he is. Here's, here's Obi-Wan. Hello there. Hello there. And that's the old version, not the <laughs> yeah. new Ewan version. Because uh, we'll be getting Ewan in this one, supposedly. If, if it does happen, cool. I mean, I he's, oh, yeah. he's one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars, and I'm all for it. But uh, like you said, when the, the big trades don't pick it up, the, the, the poop gets... Makes me question The it. poop gets thicker. <laughs> <laughs> Less water makes me feel a little backed up. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it it's just some... doesn't seem like this is very likely. As much as I enjoy the idea, and I know there's a big push, which makes a lot of sense from taking that Marvel model of all the interconnected things happening. And maybe it's something that they're trying to, to work in there. Maybe it was always part of the plan, or maybe it's not happening at all. Uh, Jake, when you look at this, what do you think about it? Because, again, we're not seeing in the major outlets that we trust talking about this at all. Like, you zero. Know, I mean, it. it's obviously possible. I don't know how likely it is. Um, I think that they've done a good job of somewhat keeping us on our toes in terms of trying to predict what's going to happen in some ways. But in other ways, everything's utterly predictable. You know, you want them to stick to the stuff that makes sense and, you know, fits the timeline. Now, sticking Obi-Wan somewhere that he doesn't belong at all, like maybe in a time area he doesn't exist just to make fans happy, that would be actual fan service, which everybody curses and talks about as being awful. But putting him somewhere like Andor where with the story it actually sort of makes sense isn't fan service. It's just making the story work. So who knows? So let's go into that. Uh, the the likelihood of that being from what we know that we learned from let's just start with episode four, uh, mm-hmm. A New Hope, and, and the way that Obi Wan talks about his time, he's been on Tatooine for a long time at yeah. that point. That's what we pick up from it. Now, granted, they could you know alter some things, but he talks about how he hasn't been called Obi Wan in a very long time. Now, maybe it depends on when this is set, but I mean, you know, the stars of this series Andor and the main star at that um he's not getting any younger uh, yeah. how much do they make him look like is it gonna be 10 years before Rogue One I mean maybe Obi-Wan hadn't done anything for like 10 years and that'd be appropriate time for Ewan McGregor's version the in-between that's what we know yeah and he's talked about how this is in between when we last saw him and when A New Hope hits so it just doesn't seem like he would be part of the resistance that's that's building up at this point, the the rebellion that's building the alliance. It's not really like he's been a part of that stuff because when she when Princess Leia sends out the message to him, he hasn't been involved for a very, very long time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they really allude to the fact that not since her father was working with him. Yeah. So it's been too long. I just don't see how it really makes sense of the story. Dan, yeah. what are your thoughts? Yeah. No, it's it, it's poop. <laughs> that's my thoughts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm more I'm interested. I'm more interested in him. Uh, I, I guess I can't say I'm more interested in him not showing up, but I, I'm more interested in just seeing how he develops his Ben Kenobi name more yeah. than anything else. And you know, 
Andor just needs to be its own thing. I mean, of course, they're going to maybe bring in a couple characters that we know here and there. Maybe, yeah, maybe he, you know, just comes across Kenobi, you know, for a split second. Or maybe Kenobi's just in the yeah. background just watching him because Kenobi knows he's with the Resistance or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which would be cool, you know, just to not, not as like a main uh storyline for Kenobi to, you know, be involved in, you know, something that Andor is working on, but just you know, he's he's keeping a watchful eye. Yeah. Maybe the they only, the only way that I see Oh go ahead, Jake. Well I go was ahead. gonna say maybe they reach out to him either in person or via Holocom and ask him to join up and he says, No, I'm stuck here. What I'm doing here is more important. I'm not leaving. And then that's it. Who knows? I yeah, mean, that'd be fine. Yeah. The only way I see that it works is potentially if Andor has to do something that involves the huts mm-hmm. and they go to Tatooine sure. to deal with Jabba. Yeah. I, it's the only way I see that potentially comes into play. And maybe Obi-Wan is doing something in the distance or, that he doesn't realize and yeah. he's helping from a distance. I, I mean, you can also consider what you said about Princess Leia saying in her message that he hasn't done anything since working with her father. Maybe Andor is the one who finds where Kenobi is hiding because... Not too many people, so they know. know how to get a hold of him. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, why I else, can see that. That's why a else, good point. Why else would Leia send that message to Kenobi, knowing that they're you know over Tatooine and you know yeah. it, it was, yeah. to to be that specific to ask for Kenobi's help? She had to have known, and who, that's actually a really good point. Who who could have found out mm-hmm. is you know Andor could have found out his sure. location and just left it at that. I like that. That works for me, and it's a nice way to tie him in and not have him directly involved that would make sense because she'd need to know how to find him, and the fact that as her ship's being overtaken by by Darth Vader's uh, Star Destroyer, she knows, oh, we're over by Tatooine. I know somebody could help me here. So, I mean, she needs yeah. to have that information, know it, and so that's perfect. Yeah. I could I could see that. That that works for me. That's the only way it works for me, though. Otherwise, I just think it's reaching too much. But sure, sure. I haven't seen yeah. the so show, I, so I don't know how they so might I, do I it take, if they were to do it. I take back my comment. If that's the way it happens, then I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Fair enough. That would be cool. A little on the spot All right, let's uh, go to the next brainstorming. Room here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we found a way to make it work so that we're we think it's acceptable. Uh, the next rumor report we got to go into is who will serve as the lead in the upcoming Rangers of the New Republic show, which of course uh, John Favreau is developing. It's probably one of the last shows of the developing of the ones that they announced, just because things have been in upheaval uh, for some time now. And of course, that all draws back to Gina Carano's exit from a galaxy far, far away. Uh, her character of Cara Dune, it was reported, was planned to be the lead of the show until recent events canceled that plan. Now, we're not going to open up that can of worms back up again oh, because why not, we know mate? all of you have your strong opinions <laughs> on that subject, as we do as well. But well, let's go back to the popular rumor, and I use the air quotes right there for popular rumor. Again, completely unconfirmed by any trustworthy source. This rumor suggests that Rebels character Harrison Dula will serve as the lead. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I'll let you guys start. I, I'm, I'm going to hold back my thoughts on this. Go well, ahead, Jake. Uh, you know, that's one of those, how likely is it? And obviously Hera was a huge character in Rebels, and everybody loved her. And so I would be more than happy to have a live-action adaptation. But 
Do I think that they could like lead off a whole new series with her after having never appeared in live action before? No, I don't. That would be like giving Bo-Katan her own show before she had ever been in Mandalorian. That just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And and Hera is far more important than Bo-Katan was in her show. So... Uh, Agreed. You know, I mean, as much as I would love to see it, and I hope that she appears in some way, shape, or form, especially if it's a sexy Twilight-type appearance, you know, (laughs) if they find a really good actress for it, that would be awesome, but I don't think they could give her her own show. Now, maybe they give the show to somebody else. I think the actress who... Yeah, the actress who played the voice role, I think she's of uh, an age that would work. Yeah, I yeah. think it would work. I think she would be good there. I mean, if if this is taking effect, basically what? Uh, like six years after... The, I mean, it's in the Mandalorian time frame, so it's mm-hmm. like five, six years after Return of the Jedi. I think that Vanessa could pull it off. I mean, I think she'd be of an appropriate age where she could make yeah. it work, and uh, we wouldn't question her being there. We, at this time, though, and, and I want to hear from Dan on this too, but at this time, think about where Hera is in everything that's happened. We know that she's there uh, for Rogue One because the ghost is there. We hear the page over the intercom system for General Syndulla. We know that she's around during this time. We know that she fought in the Battle of Endor. Uh, we know that her son was with her, uh, helping to, uh, I guess, co-pilot as young as he was. Uh, Jason uh, Sindula was there as well and uh, helping her in the Battle of Endor. <laughs> we know that she's uh, around with the New Republic afterwards. So she could be involved in Rangers of the New Republic. But as a general, because that's what she was, she was a general of the Rebellion. Would a general be in Rangers of the New Republic as the lead as one of the Rangers? Maybe she's got a role where she's above everybody else and kind of directing the Rangers to go do stuff out in the uh, Outer Rim or wherever it is they're going with this whole thing. But, I mean, we don't know any details about what it is. But I just don't know that Hera is the ones who can do it. And, Jake, I totally agree with you. She was very important to all of us that watched the Rebels animated series, but we know there's a lot of fans who are more casual that only stick with the movies, maybe the TV shows. I just don't think that she's going to get her own series like that. Dan, what do you think? Uh, Well, first, uh, and I've said this before on past podcasts uh, many times, I still never truly think that Cara Dune was a big enough of a character or a good actress enough to lead uh, a series by herself. Um, so I always think that if she was going to be in it, she was going to be like more of a co-lead with another large character name. Part of an ensemble. Um, however, uh, regarding Hera, um, my first question is how old is her son around this time frame? He's probably going to be around, I would say, 10 at this point. I mean, if it's five years after the Battle of Endor, I'd say he's probably around like 10 or so, 10, 11, maybe. Okay, so so I mean, cause, so he's he's old yeah. enough where she doesn't need to be like mothering him, you know, twenty four seven. Like right. he's not he's not an infant yeah. or a toddler or anything. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so I, I could yeah. see her because of that. I could see her, you know, leading the show. But I would rather have you know Timothy Oliphant's character be the lead, yes. as we've said before. Yes, hundred percent. Um, yes, and, and I mean. Honestly, at this point, because of all the things that have happened with Cara Dune not being a part of Star Wars anymore moving forward, um, I think who we're going to see as the new lead for this show is going to be set up in Season 3 of The Mandalorian because they have time and opportunity to be able to rebuild rebuild that series Mm -hmm. uh, through Season 3 now. There's new weaving going on. Yeah. Yeah, so... I think it's hard to really say who or what it's going to be 
uh, as far as the lead and what the show is, but they have an opportunity in season three to uh, build it into it's, what it what it needs to be. It's got to be a little bit scary when you think about if that was the plan for Cara Dune to be part of this ensemble cast and to be the name that we knew uh, as one of the main characters of this show. To have to look at this show's already been greenlit. They've already announced it's coming and have to completely rework everything at that point to make sure you've got a strong enough character that we are going to care about right off the bat. That's got to be a little bit scary for Lucasfilm at this point to find something that works. I feel like they're going to have to draw upon someone that audiences already like because you can weave that person in in season three of The Mandalorian. But will we connect with that person? What if it doesn't land? And you've already got this whole series built off of a character that maybe doesn't land well. So you have That's going to be really interesting. Have you bought into the whole that was going to be Cara Dune's show thing? 100%? Mostly because of the report from The Hollywood Reporter that that, yeah. that was what their, their sources were saying that that's what the plan was. I don't know that I'm 100% on board with that. I mean, it may not be the case. I think I she mean, was going to be in it, for sure, and a big yeah, part of I it. Do. I do, too. But just I don't not think it was going to be all about her. Yeah, I don't think it would be all about her, but I definitely think she was supposed to be one of the main <clears throat> central unless, figures that would be followed. Unless it was supposed to be more of a anthology series, and then she was going to get a couple mm-hmm. episodes, and a different sure. character would mm-hmm. get a couple episodes, and build a new character out of that. And that actually makes a lot of sense to do it that way, where it's a bunch of I different. Think she'd be one of the core characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think she was necessarily going to be the biggest star of the show, but I do think she was going to be one of the core main characters, more so than she was in The Mandalorian. I, I think she was probably planned to be more in more episodes with mm-hmm. this, from what it sounds like, as opposed to she was in what uh, a couple episodes last season. Yeah. What, what was it like three or four? Mm-hmm. It was, I think it was like four that. actually. Yeah, three or four. I can't remember correctly. And then for season two, it was you know a few episodes that she was in. So uh, she hasn't been in a ton of episodes, if you think about it that way. You know, I mean, Pedro's in every episode, for the most part. Uh, so, you know, I mean, like, it, whether it's his stand-ins or what have you. Give but, a, I don't know. Give a, give a couple episodes of Timothy Oliphant, make an anthology, like I said, you know, and then bring in. Yeah. Introdu- it's an opportunity to introduce new rangers, quote-unquote. Yeah. Yes. And see who, you know, the audience connects with, and then... Whoever the audience connects with the most, you can move forward into a season two, focusing more on those characters. Here's the other challenge they face with these shows, because we know that the anticipation is huge for the Ahsoka series. Mm-hmm. Huge. Why? Because we like lightsabers, as Dan will always point yes. out. Lightsabers yes. amazing. Think about the biggest episodes that have taken place with The Mandalorian. It was involving the Darksaber. It was involving Ahsoka. Those are the episodes. Now, The Mandalorian is proven you don't need Jedi for this to be a lot of fun, and we enjoy it. But the episodes with the highest you know, output for fan excitement, Luke at the end, it was Ahsoka, it was the Darksaber. These are the episodes that really stand out. Rangers of the New Republic may not have Jedi in it, and I, I question how well it's going to go because at, some, at this point, you know, Luke's like the only Jedi that we know of mm-hmm. at Rangers of the Republic in this era. We know Ahsoka's around now at this point, which is great, but again, you can't lean on those to have this other world happening, and so I'm really curious to see how strong these other shows perform without the Force and lightsabers. I, I just think it's such an integral part of Star Wars that oh, yeah. I'm curious to see how it works out. Because I mean, that's like Mandalorian has leaned into it lately. No swords in it, you know. You just yeah, you yeah. can't do that. So maybe that's so. the point of the show is not only to do you know sheriff law enforcement duties on the borders, but also maybe searching for Force users, maybe scouting them out. I don't know. 
I love the whole concept of exploring the Star Wars galaxy, but I feel like they're so locked into this this Skywalker timeline. I want to see more Jedi. It's I'm ready for more of Star Wars beyond the Skywalker trilogy sure. timeline and the, and the the saga timeline because there's not a lot of Jedi left at this point. I really think the next place they've got to go is before the Skywalker saga. They got to get into that. Show me and introduce me to a Jedi who's been hiding out, you know, in the outer rim for decades yeah. and mm-hmm. let's yeah. follow their story. Yes. Yes. Give me a Tusken yeah. Raider Jedi already. Nice. Someone who explored other parts of the the galaxy and didn't know of the conflict that was going on because they were so far removed from it yeah. all. Someone who was on an exploratory mission, yeah. and, or someone who was, you know, trying to track down relics and something, and they just wound yeah. up separated. I mean, there are Jedi. That's all over what the I want to see. There's no way they got yeah. them all. Yeah. So if, if only, yeah. if only there was this collection of just material that we could pull from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Kathy. Uh, as we get into every single week. And Kathy. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> okay. All right. That's that's how we feel about it. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next topic here because we will have plenty of time to talk about the shows and what's coming up. But there's no real news that's come out. And so that's why we're giving you these BS rumors because there's really no truth to them at this point. We'll find out what's actually truth. Uh, but there is one more rumor. And, Dan, I'll let you go and bring this one up. Uh, you saw another one that popped up here recently. Oh, you know, just another pooper scooper rumor that says that there's going to be a Luke Skywalker series on Disney plus, you know, following his adventures right after return of the Jedi. And obviously we all want this and yes. it would be fantastic if uh, they can tap Sebastian Stan finally to play the role, which yeah. would be, you know, I mean, that's everyone wants that too. At this point, once those pictures of him yes. compared to young Mark Hamill, Oh yeah, you know, we're we're hitting like the twins. internet. Yeah, totally. And you know, there's there's just it's one of those rumors where the uh, origin website has to qualify their reporting by stating that rumor previous rumor reports A, B, C, and D were also by the same source. And you know how I feel about uh, trying to qualify your your rumor reporting by. Yes, we do. Providing all these other... What I don't understand (laughs) is how these websites, they just churn out rumor after rumor. And I know people want to believe more so, you know, than anything else. All these things are true. But how how is it that people are still just following these sites and sources when none of it becomes true or less than half of it becomes true? I I don't understand what's wrong with the Dan, I have the answer. I don't know under I don't understand what's wrong with the human psyche to be so gullible. No, I don't think it's a gullible thing necessarily. I mean for some it is, but I think that this is actually the same thing that you see in magazines like the uh, Inquirer. You know, people know it's bullshit, but it's entertainment. So it's almost like it's a uh, fan's fiction speculation that isn't meant to be real. It's meant to be speculation. It's like, "Oh, wouldn't this be neat?" But and if the- they qualified at all like that that would be fine but instead they pretend like they think it's real even though we all know it's not but with the problem with people believing truth and fake news anymore it's it's not the time to really be doing that (laughs) casual star wars fans do get duped into believing these rumors i know this because i hear it from my friends like Mm -hmm. oh man did you see this and they're the casual fan 
and they think it's actually like there's there's some legitimacy to that. And I said, have you ever heard of that outlet before? Like, no, but I don't get hardcore in the nerd stuff. I'm like, well, I am hardcore in the nerd stuff. And I can tell you I've heard of that site and nothing I've seen has actually arrived to be true. Now, that's not to say that there is a potential for it to be true. And I think that also you have to take into account that maybe you do have a hot scoop because it's something that's being talked about. But being talked about pre-production to actually post-production when things are shot is a completely different thing in, in in that whole time span. There might be something, there might be some shred of truth to it sometimes, but I think a lot of the time it's someone who's like, this will get some clicks, let's throw this out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, my best friend's sister's girlfriend's cousin heard about this, and I'm going to run with it. Yeah. It just, I'm too, I don't, we bring these rumors up, and I'll tell you, mostly because we don't have a lot of new content coming out right now, so I, I, I'm indulging the rumors because it's something to talk about, to speculate, and to spark a conversation of what we would want to happen if we had our druthers on things. But at the same time, a lot of this stuff just does not pan out to be true, and they're just doing it for clicks, and also some folks are trying to build a name for themselves. Dan, you and I know all about that, though, because when we ran our national football site that we had, we actually did break a couple big stories with that when it was just a group of us who were trying to put our names out there and no one believed us because they'd never heard of us before at that point yeah. before we'd built up our brand yeah and there's th- those things happen so th- i always try to think about that as well that like you know sometimes you do get a hold of some information when you're a small time outlet but at the same time when you continue to churn out a whole bunch of stuff that has yet to be proven true and you cite the previous rumors as the same source that broke this force and that has not been proven true yet it gives no credibility to me that i can trust you and a lot of people are duped they don't get it. Yeah, I just don't see the problem. I mean, in this realm, anyway. I really don't. Like, if that's what people want to do, and, and that's what people enjoy, and it's a issue of, you know, the speculation being the entertainment, whatever. As long as it's presented as speculation, yes, I'm yes. fine with them saying that. that. That's the and important thing. I think thing. you got to clearly brand it. If yep, you, if, if you, if yeah, you're, I'll, I'll give it to you. If you're legitimately saying that this is legit exclusive hot news, I mean... Come on, guys. It's, yeah. it, it, this, is, yeah. this is something speculative that you've heard, and you should present it that way. Yeah. Well, maybe they could yep. be better about it on 100%. that score. But, you know... The... They're not for a reason. Well, yeah, yeah. But, honestly, I just don't know that it really Clicks. matters. Right? You know, it's not like they're reporting no, hard no, I think we're at the agree-to-disagree point. As, a, <laughs> yeah. uh, as someone who spent four years uh, getting a journalism bachelor's degree... Uh, it it annoys me. <laughs> oh, I hear you. It and I get why you guys are annoyed by it, but I guess I just yeah. I think that it's too easy to bring those ethics over to something that isn't meant to really be real journalism, right? It's not. It's meant to entertain fans, but it's presented as though it's true. And that's my whole problem with it, you know, because yeah. a lot of people believe that stuff. But, I mean, well, you know what? You read the stuff. I read it. I, I look at it. I, it gets my clicks, which if I really wanted to take a strong stand, I wouldn't click on it. Yeah. But I just want people to know that these rumors, unless you see from a major trusted source, just realize it might be someone trying to create a name for themselves. So Wait just until out of curiosity, gets... do you guys, how do you guys feel about something like The Inquirer, for example, that is presented as real but absolutely isn't real? Does that bother you as much or more? Yeah, because yeah. people believe it. Yeah. People yeah. believe it, it and, and it can ruin people's lives that they're yeah. reporting yeah. this stuff uh, you know, on. And it's and see, in that realm, trash. I get it, because we're talking about real yeah. people, right? With Star Wars, it doesn't bother me as much, I guess, because it, it's all fictional to begin with. So, sure. 
you know, if, if it turns out that Luke doesn't really have his own solo series coming, is that really going to hurt anybody? No, I just don't think it's no big deal. I just don't think it's good for the health of the fan base, though, because people will get war- way too worked up over these things and then it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to have, you know, a little bit of hate towards Star Wars. Oh, you didn't give me my Luke series that I wanted. I mean, yeah, no, I get that. But I think the other side of it is like Nate said, you know, the vast majority of the people who are going to get duped by something like that are the casual fans. The casual fans aren't going to be the ones that are, you know, troll bombing the Star Wars YouTube channel when they get pissed off about something. They have better things to do. So let's let's move out of this conversation. Ask what would we want out of a Luke series? uh, Luke. (laughs) <laughs> that's really I mean, do, do you think enough. it needs to be within that timeline that same Mandalorian era timeline if they're going to do a Luke show I don't think it has to Dan I I, I think it, it would be best to since we've seen Luke now and he has Grogu there's no reason to tell his story moving forward because we're going to probably get some of that in season 3 because obviously Grogu is going to come back yeah. to Mando but I think there is an opportunity from the moment Return of the Jedi ended until his appearance in Mandalorian. What is that like a five five and a half year window? Something like about that. that. We, could, yep. we could probably tell some interesting stories about him going out searching for, you know, Jedi relics and you know looking for other Force users and mm-hmm. you know it's. He needs students. Doing all yeah, that yeah. stuff that he did in the EU that we so callously yeah. threw into the trash. Yeah. See, you see him, you know, finally convincing Leia to <laughs> pick up a lightsaber and uh-huh. start learning the Force. That I mean, people would love that, especially yep. since. Uh, oh, what's the actress? There's an actress that looks just like Carrie Fisher did. Oh, really? She's really young. I can't remember who it is. Um, okay, but I, I saw a picture comparison. Oh. Was it was it Millie Millie, know what you... Millie Bobby Brown maybe? Yeah, Millie Bobby Brown. She the might, chick from Stranger yeah. Things. She might be too yes. too young when paired up, you know, with Sebastian Stan, but mm. uh point being is that they can find a young Leia lookalike and that would be cool to finally yeah. see her getting trained. I mean, we got yeah. a brief glimpse of it uh in uh Yeah, Rise if you want to see what we're talking about, check out yeah, go ahead and Google deep fake Millie Bobby Brown as Leia, and you can see exactly yeah, what we're talking yeah. about. It's That's really it interesting. And you see it, and you're like, wow, the facial construct of everything, it really does and seem she's to got sync those up big brown eyes. Well. And her, yeah, it's definitely yeah, yeah, a yeah. good one. Hey, I got a, yeah. a way would, out there idea. What if we look at oh, Luke give it to growing me. up on Tatooine and like finally and like starting to experience that. his force powers and not understanding what the hell's going on because no one's told him about it? But 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 think about where he is when we meet him for the first time in A New Hope. He doesn't have any powers at that point. He might have instincts yeah. quite yeah. a bit. Like, he's a great pilot. We know that. He can uh, work on most items of a mechanical nature, yeah. much like his father did yeah. when he yeah. was on Tatooine. But we don't witness any powers, so to speak, that made us think that he had something. And that's one of the things that I think Star Wars landed so well with everyone back in 1977. It's because it was a story about this kid who seemed like a normal kid and all of a sudden discovers he's got powers. But we didn't really see those until later because yeah. if you look back on A New Hope, he doesn't really do too much with the Force other than feel his shot when it's time to destroy the Death Child Star. Otherwise, Luke he's not really doing anything. would probably be an animated thing. That would, that's where that would fit. Yeah. Sure. It yeah. could be cool, though, yeah. to show his adventures and his, uh, his you know, advent- adoptive parents trying to avoid telling him what his uh, heritage is and all that. His, his adventures in moisture farming for 20 yeah. episodes. <laughs> yes, damn it. 
I want to know what I they get it. up to I in those it. remote desert outposts, you know, with nothing to do. Oh, that's too funny. Uh, I think that's good. Yeah. I think for me, I just need to see what happens after Return of the Jedi. That's what we all want to know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all about what happens at that point, and I think it does have to fit within that Mandalorian timeline that they're talking about and have that interconnected story because we probably want to see what's happening with him and Grogu. We kind of want to see that story, don't we, about him connecting with Grogu, and then Grogu is surely not going to stay at the Jedi Academy because otherwise he dies when Ben Solo becomes Kylo Ren. I'll I'll be pretty upset if there's not at least an entire episode of Mandalorian Season 3 just dedicated to Luke and Grogu. I don't know that we'll get that. Yeah, I, I hope so. That would I want to see that, but I don't know that we're going to get it. Unless they put someone in as Luke and without CGI like Sebastian Stan, I think it would be just too yeah. expensive and difficult. I do think I do think we know now that Mark Hamill's willing to return. I think we do sure. know that he's willing to do it now because he made it so clear that he was not going to do anything. He was done with the character, and he came back for Mandalorian, the final episode. Well, let's be honest. Mark Hamill's kind of full of crap sometimes. <laughs> so He's excellent at trolling us. <laughs> yes, he excellent is, at sir. trolling the fans. Guy's a legend when it comes to that. He's quite untouchable. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And, you know, it's funny to hear Kitty Sackhoff talking about uh, her recent experience yeah. of getting to film the show, and he was not there. There was a stand-in for Mark yep. Hamill. It's his voice that we hear, though. And she talked about how she kind of had an idea once the show started shooting that what was going on, and her dad was on set as well. It's it's Katie's been talking a lot, in fact, lately about her experiences with The Mandalorian, about whether or not yep. we think we can trust her character of Bo-Katan Kryze and what is in store and, and who she wants to see also come to live action from animation. She's talking about all that stuff. She's really bumped up her status in the Star Wars yeah, community. Yeah, she has. It's because uh, she's going to be the main villain of season three. I mean, yep. it's time to... Yeah, I agree. Time, time to start yeah. pumping up the Star Wars talk on her end because yep. I, I, yeah. I think it's going to happen. I'm good with that. She's definitely going to be one of the main antagonists of this next season. I don't see any way around that now that he's got the dark saber. I don't see any way around her not being upset about things. And then on top of that, what happens with Moff Gideon? I don't think we're done with Moff Gideon, but I think for season three, the main antagonist is probably going to be the the strife that is caused by the Mandalorian's possession of the dark saber. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. Maybe there'll be a Moff Gideon, uh, you know, Bo-Katan team up. Oh, that'd be weird. I mean, we'll see if that—that's what plays I, out. I wouldn't be surprised if Thrawn finally shows his oh, face yes. because who else is going to save Moff Gideon except for maybe Thrawn? Yeah, no joke. Yeah, I, I do hope that Thrawn is the one who is pulling all the strings for the most part as the big bad for everything. And oh, I feel I, like that's yeah, what they're setting he is. up. He is. Yeah, and 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 does Thrawn know about the Emperor? You know, uh, out in Exegol at this point, probably. That's Thrawn you know, Thrawn's from the outer regions, so I would suspect. Yeah, I would suspect he does. So I'm just he so always, ready for that character to get into play. He always knows everything. So ready. Yeah, that's going to be epic. All right. Um, let's get into the High Republic initiative for a moment from Lucasfilm mm. Publishing. A lot of fans only do the movies and shows, as we actually just talked about a little while ago. But some of us like to venture into the uh, the literary galaxy of Star Wars. And there have been some really great books along the way. Yep. The High Republic series has some asking if they need to know about it. There are no movies or shows that include the High Republic time frame or material. So maybe you don't, you know don't actually need to know much about it. Maybe it's not worth your investment and, you know, but at some point you have to think as much as they're throwing into this, it's got to turn into some live action or animated material. Eventually I would think you don't throw this much of initiative behind it if you don't have that plan. But the question is, will it land with fans enough to make that happen? Uh, if you don't want to read it, we're going to fill you in now. Jake and I have both read be, the first book. It's going to be Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, the high Republic. 
Uh, <laughs> it just is always lingering out there, but never geez. materializes. Yeah, uh, it's it's a possibility. I'm good with the never uh, materializes so, part. Well, you guys have read the 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 first book, and not to and the jump second. around here. Um, Jake's read the second. I'm working through the second. And I, I know you guys are about to talk about the first book here, and I yeah. haven't read it. But right now, me saying that Ryan Johnson's trilogy could be the High Republic. From what you've read, would you be okay with that? Yes, I, I, I mean, I'd be okay. I, I I'm okay with it because I think I mean it's Johnson characters that characters is yeah, better. A lot of characters that nobody knows. I don't know yep. any of these characters. Yeah. I just know that Yoda's in it. Yeah, I mean, they mention <laughs> his name is. like once. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that that would be a good place to put Ryan if if you wanted to put him back in Star Wars and not give him so much opportunity to piss everybody off, this would be the place to do it because nobody's invested in any of these characters yet. And I don't know that I, don't I ever will be. I think that fits for Ryan, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah? I, I think he needs think a darker he element. He, he he's wants at his to be best when he's dealing with edgier people? stuff going on. Mm. Well, I mean, think about his movies. If you think about Looper, Brick, uh, you look at uh, what he did with Star Wars, and then you look mm-hmm. at his most recent film, Knives Out, which I still, I know, Dan, you did actually watch it, but you didn't particularly care for it, but you thought it was shot very well, which you always are very yeah, complimentary the, of the shooting of his movies. The, uh, but the, the, the substance didn't really, didn't hold you. Well, I, I just, I saw everything happening. And like, you knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I knew exactly what was going yeah. on. Without even knowing yeah. what was going on, I kind of just saw it unfold and was just like, yeah, this is happening, mm-hmm. yeah. this is happening. Yeah. Gotcha. The reveal wasn't a big reveal for you at all no. because you saw it coming the yeah, whole time. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I particularly enjoyed it. I think it's a great movie. I've loved his movies. Uh, and I still like, you know, the look of much of what he did for Star Wars. And I, I liked a lot of what he did. But it's just the main elements I brought up before. I'm not going to go into it again. But I don't think the High Republic, which is a very optimistic period of the Jedi, everything we're seeing from them from the High Republic era, the Jedi are at their height and they're like basically rock stars out there. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the right thing for Ryan Johnson for his trilogy. He needs strife. He needs something more going on. And I think the edgier elements, if you look at his movies, it's too optimistic a, of a thing for him. Now, he's yeah. he, he is a lot of fun to bring in some, some good elements, but I just think he needs something that's a little bit more dark. Well, there's always the Nihil element. Maybe he could latch onto that and really flesh that yeah. out. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's go and flesh these things out so people know what we're talking about. So I'm going to give you some background on the book. Uh, let's start off with it's a golden age. Intrepid hyperspace scouts expand the reach of the Republic to the furthest stars. Worlds are flourishing under the benevolent leadership of the Galactic Senate. And peace reigns, enforced by the wisdom and strength of the renowned order of force users known as the Jedi. These are official descriptions of what's going on, by the way. With the Jedi at the height of their power, the free citizens of the galaxy are confident in their ability to weather any storm. But even the brightest light can cast a shadow, and some storms defy any preparation. So think about the time period. Uh, They're expanding the reach of the Republic across the galaxy. There's a lot of unknown elements, and they're also reaching out to worlds to join. Hyperspace is very important in this uh, this story. It's all all just around hyperspace, because... If you go by traditional light speed, it still takes too long to get to these places around the galaxy. But with hyperspace lanes, you can jump very quickly to get there at a super rate of speed beyond that. And these hyperspace lanes, if they're jeopardized, there's a problem because a lot of supplies need to go back and forth. You think about how different uh, civilizations are dependent upon space travel and all of that to work out. And if the hyperspace is threatened, the galaxy becomes a very distant place again. And things are not able to work as well that way. And that's what this whole book is about. 
We talked about, you know, George Lucas was uh, just really insulted a lot for the prequel trilogy because we were supposed to care about the politics and a trade battle over Naboo, and it didn't really land well with fans uh, back in the days, you recall. That's not what we really take away from the prequels. We talk about all the other stuff that went on in the stories, but it was all central to a trade dispute is what it all centered around. So we have this High Republic era all focused on a tragedy that puts hyperspace travel uh, in jeopardy. It's not the most interesting thing in the world. And and I, I, I'm interested to know about the Jedi at their height. I'm getting a sense of it. I like this. And so we go into the Great Disaster, which sets everything up. A space freighter called the Legacy Run, and it's a huge freighter. It breaks up in a hyperspace lane that supposedly is impossible for that to happen. It shuts down all hyperspace travel in the galaxy, and that's a problem because hyperspace makes even the most remote locations accessible at incredible speeds. So people are isolated throughout the galaxy again. If you can't travel, you can't get there. People are separated. There's all sorts of stuff. And to make matters worse... Bits of this freighter that broke up are appearing randomly. No one knows. Where they're popping out of hyperspace in different systems, and that's where everything starts for this book, is that it's it's breaking up and it's causing destruction, destroying worlds. So the freighter is so huge that as it, it, it impacts these planets, it, they're, they're uh, global life killers yep. is basically what you take away from it. It's like think about the dinosaurs and the asteroid yeah. that came and crashed into the Earth and all life was like wiped off the planet for the most part. That's what the impact of the legacy run disaster is. So that's where everything is focused on. Jake, from there, I, I want to ask you about the characters you're introduced at this point. We get Jedi, Jedi Master Avar Chris, who basically um, is like this. She's really strong with the Force. She interprets it like a song, and she has a power yep. that allows her to connect with all the Jedi together and strengthens kind their like abilities to meditation. focus through her connection. Yeah, yeah, kind of battle meditation. Were there any characters that stood out to you that really you thought was worthwhile? Like, this is someone I want to know more about. Uh, you know, one of the ones that I really liked was... I'm trying to pull up his name here. Sorry, there are so many freaking characters introduced in this book. That There's no is, central character in this yeah. in this story. And uh, I mean, Elzar Avar, Man is the one for me. Avar Chris is kind of the closest to a central character. Uh, Porter Engel, yeah, the old yeah. Jedi that's uh, yeah, you know, hanging out on the planet. He's like 300 years old. Yeah, out by himself and cooking nine egg stew and you know taking care of Jedi that come through. I liked him. You know, he's one of those old guys okay. that just knows everything. He's seen everything, but he doesn't really fight so much anymore. He's kind of retired. But then he gets the yeah. chance towards the end of the book to go out and kick ass. I kind of like that. So think of Joe Castanu, who hangs out in the Jedi archives. That's kind of uh -huh. who Porter Engel is. He's yeah. a guy who has a lot of knowledge. He's very old, and he kind of shares bits of knowledge with people along the way. And he's to the point in his Jedi career that he's old enough that they basically say, you can do whatever you want, man. You can do whatever you want. You're fine. Uh, just hang out and, and cook your stew. He loves stew, apparently. Why do we care about this? We don't, but it's something <laughs> he's got yeah. a little character thing that he loves his stew. He likes so, cooking. Uh yeah, there's another Jedi that's interesting that I think would be an interesting character to follow. This guy's named Elzar Man. He's basically an assistant mm -hmm. to Avar Chris, who's the Master Jedi amongst the group. Uh, he has not been elevated to that of Master, though he's been a Jedi as long as Avar Chris has been. He carries very little respect for most people because he does things differently. He's often exploring the Force and trying to figure out new ways of doing things and just exploring things as opposed to always doing the tried and true what you know will work in situations. And so he's yeah. kind of developed this like kind of like uh, uh, a defiant person who doesn't want to do things the way you've always done them before. He's like he is very very close with Avar Chris. They almost have like a romantic connection going oh, on yeah. too. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. But 
that's a character I want to know more about. You get introduced to another Jedi named Loden Greatstorm, uh-huh. who's uh, very fun to follow. But you just get little bits of these characters along the way. And I've seen interviews with Charles Soule, who I think very highly of, who wrote uh, the Darth Vader series, uh, the most recent one from a while back, from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. that run, I think with Greg Pak. And uh, anyway, long story short, there's a lot of different people, and he said that he thought it was interesting to write a story where there's no central character, and you just get a sense of everybody. I appreciate that attempt. It just didn't land as well. I didn't care. I didn't get invested in any one character that much. And I think if you're trying to build a new franchise, a part of the franchise, you need to care about somebody as a main character. And we just don't have that. Um, So let's get into other bits of the book that you need to know about. You got the great disaster that happens. All the Jedi in this area are in the region where this disaster started because they were trying to open up a brand new space station called uh, the Starlight Beacon, which is basically like a big... Coruscant-style Jedi Temple out in deep space where they're trying to reach out to new civilizations, new organizations to join the galaxy. And these guys are basically like space rangers is what the Jedi are. Yeah. So that's why they're all out there. They're out there to to christen the new Starlight Beacon Station, and they just happen to be in the neighborhood when all hell breaks loose with this hyperspace event. Um, we introduced those Jedi. Then also, um, you know, as the Jedi are out there, uh, they're dealing with a new bad guy. Let's, Jake, I'll let you break down. Who are the Nihil? Who are they? Oh, gosh. You know, it, and I'll do my best. It was like a month ago when I finished this, and I'm kind of looking at the, yeah, the on the online stuff about they're just, it now. I'll break it down. They're just marauders. They're like, they're, they're pirates. like space pirate marauders. Yeah. yeah. They, they're, um, they're made to look scary and sound scary because they wear these weird, freaky masks. They're they don't have any powers. That's what they are. Yeah. They're Vikings. They're they, kind of like, yeah, space Vikings. They go out, they, they rape and pillage and, and pillage. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're yeah. kind of led by this eye of the Nihil, who is the one that gives them all of the hyperspace paths or the, the routes that they use to do all the things that they do in ways that um, aren't expected. So. Yeah, so it, it goes back to hyperspace. And this is why, again, like you're having yeah. to think, I don't care as much about hyperspace. This is not an interesting thing for me to go into. The way the Nihil take advantage of people is they zip in and zip out of places on undiscovered hyperspace routes. So they basically are just guys who know different ways to get somewhere than you do, and supposedly somehow that makes them powerful. And I don't understand why that's the case. So imagine on Earth, if we go back to 1750, we'll just throw a a number out there, where the only way to get anywhere is on a ship, and it takes months. Now, grab some criminals and bring them to town with uh, jet planes and helicopters, and they're the only ones that have them. Imagine the kind of trouble they could cause. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's technology. I mean, I get that. But uh, again, and here's the thing, too, that that all the hyperspace weird routes that they have, there's one person you mentioned, the eye. His name is Martian Rowe. He eventually becomes the big bad guy. Yep. So uh, just know that, that uh, this is uh, like he's a nobody and then he becomes a somebody within the organization. It turns out, it starts out with him that he just knows these these secret hyperspace routes that he shares with this group of marauders. They don't respect him, they don't like him, but they give him money because he has that knowledge. They keep thinking, we should just take it from him well eventually he double crosses everybody and he uh asserts his ability to take over the organization and no one is giving him any more guff anymore by the end yep. um and he gets his knowledge from uh if you remember from episode seven lore santeca uh he's the one who's the one that uh, gives luke's identity to poe dameron so they can or gives away where his location is Lore Santeca is relevant because the Santeca clan made their money by pioneering hyperspace routes. What well, turns yep. out, one of their family, one of the oldest of the Santeca clan in this time period, is a bit crazy, a bit older, being kept on life support to keep living by Martian Row, the Eye of the Nihil. 
uh, it's there's a lot to this that just it leads a lot of different places. But she's the one who finds these secret spa- uh, secret routes, yeah. and gives it to Marcian Rowe, and he gives it to the Marauders. Um, that's why, like all this, it's not enough stuff that I care about. There's nothing happening that I really care about with this. And I was interested in the second half of the book because the action really started to kick in. There's yeah. a lot of stuff going on with Jedi fights, and and they're they're kicking ass. But I mean, Dan, from what we've described at this point, does any of that sound like something that you want to see as a story told in the the film route or a show? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. No. I don't see enough substance to it, and I really like the author, and I really like some of the storytelling elements, but otherwise, there's nothing that roots me in with that story that we all love from Star Wars to to start it all off. You know, this really crazy, powerful evil that gets taken over and and bested by good. I'm just not seeing it from from this first book, and I'm in the second book. I'm on chapter 14 now. I'm just, it's, it has nothing to do with the event that took place, but it does connect to it with mm-hmm. what they talk about. Jake, in the second book, do you feel like there's much going on that you care about? No. Yeah. I, like, okay, so I got it as an audiobook from the library, so thankfully I didn't have to pay for it directly. But it was a challenge <laughs> to finish it, I'll be honest. And it sucks because I know yeah. these authors. So many of them have been involved yeah. in other places in Star Wars and have been awesome. And then the High Republic comes along, and it's almost like somebody said, please make this as boring as possible and as hard to follow as possible for some odd reason. And here, this is what we got. And I know there are lots of people out there that love it, and that's great. But it just, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of sounds like it's showing that Lucasfilm's story group needs to be revamped. I yeah, agree. That's a nice I, way to I put agree. It. I think we've mentioned this before, but uh, yeah, I, I think from the sounds of this, to me, yeah, Lucasville Story Group, it ain't what it used to be. It's yeah. it's struggling, and the the talent it takes to create new characters and storylines that you care about is on full display with these books. I, I gotta say, um, I'm starting to get in the comics to take a look at those. Uh, I need central characters. I need someone that is at the center of strife and good overcomes evil. I need some good storytelling. I'm just not seeing it. And I think the challenge of creating new characters that you care about and storylines you want to follow is proving to be a real difficult task. Yeah, I would say like if you're if you're wanting to get into reading Star Wars, this is not the place to start. Maybe later no. read this. No. But if this is where you start, you're going to be turned off most likely by the end of the first book and never want to read anything again and probably want to yeah. gouge your eyes out. And we don't want that, right? So, you know, start somewhere else. Start with uh, Timothy Zahn somewhere or, uh, I mean, even anything else by Claudia Gray or, gosh, I don't know. Well, looking at my bookshelf, pretty much anything. Or any of the comics. The comics are always pretty solid, which I need to. Some of those comics are really good. I I need to do some catching up here, and I might actually do that uh, when we're done recording. uh, Excellent. I have nothing to do today, so I might read some comics. Nice. Yeah. Again, you know, if you want to check it out, I'm definitely not discouraging you from doing it. But if you feel like you're missing out on possible content that might be relevant to Star Wars as a whole, it is not yeah, a risk not. that you're taking. Yeah, <laughs> you're if definitely you don't, not. You skip it. You're fine. You're fine. Um, I do want to talk about comics for a second, though, Dan, because we know that uh, the script that we've talked about in detail before for what would have been Episode Nine from director Colin Trevorrow. That has been made into a comic book now because that script leaked a while back and has been made into a comic book by a fan. And you can find that on our social media. We post there. I, I actually enjoy this. Now, there's definitely some parts that 
will be a challenge at times to 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 keep going with as far as the storyline goes. But I actually thought it was pretty decent. I don't think it's any worse than what we got with episode nine that uh, actually was in theaters. Um, and it's funny because I've talked to you guys briefly about how much I was really fully on board with episode nine when it first came out. I think it's because I was so starved for the content that I perhaps looked past it a bit. It's not as good as I would have hoped it would have been as I look at it in retrospect, about more than a year removed from Episode Nine, It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. It, it, it delivered in some points, but it wasn't as good as the promise of what Episode Seven delivered. And it just a lot of unrealized stuff to me. And it also felt like it was pushed too fast. What, what we should do, and I don't know if uh, you have the technological capabilities of doing this, Nate, is we should all watch the... Uh, Rise of Skywalker movie again, and then for a podcast report, uh, recording, we should listen to ourselves talk about the review of that movie, and then critique ourselves. Disagree with ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be good. We were victims of the hype to some degree. I, I still like oh, it. Sure. I have watched it a couple times, but it's not like I go back. It's, as far as the episodes that I want to go back and watch over again, it's not one of them. Yeah. So... Uh, this comic shows you a different version of Episode Nine of what could have been, and there's certain elements I think were better than what we got in the JJ version of The Rise of Skywalker. But I just wanted to put it out there. If you don't really want to read the script, but you would like to see a comic book, you're a fan of comics, this thing was really done well. I mean, not all of it is in color, by the way. I should mention that, uh, you know, there's some in color, some that's just black and white ink. But uh, at the same time, it's kind of a neat format to see it. There's elements I would have liked to have seen this movie made as an alternate version. Uh, I think I would have been down for it. There's certain things I really, really liked. There's a lot of things I struggle with, too. But uh, as far as the comic goes, guys... Um, it's kind of an interesting way to see this alternate what-if scenario come down to play, and I still go back to the Marvel what-if series that Star Wars must go down this path of sure. what-if. I, yeah. I I still have to disagree with Trevorrow's script because I've I've read it, mm. or at least the synopses of it, and I, I think that if that would have released instead of Rise of Skywalker, I think people would have hated that movie more. I, I honestly yeah. do. I think... Because you can compare Rise of Skywalker to what Trevorrow had since it did leak, mm-hmm. uh, of course people are going to be like, "Yeah, I want that movie instead. I want that." But had we just gotten that movie, Duel of the Fates, I think it, it would have been just ten times worse than Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, that's just my opinion. I though. mean, Ben Ben Solo's not redeemed in this one. That's something a lot of people would have struggled with because I think we all wanted to see Ben Solo redeemed. Yes, for sure, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. He's not redeemed in this certain, version. And there's certain he, parts of Duel of the Fates that just gets way too in left field and not even weird, but like hokey. Kind of muddled. Like kind of muddled, kind of hokey yeah. at times. And yeah, mm. you know. I'll, I'll, I'll actually read the comic uh, when we're done recording. That'll be my first things yeah. to read because I haven't, uh, I didn't even know that there was that version out that someone did. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, Good. I, you can tell me how the hell the Knights of Ren get a hold of the dark saber when you're done. I still don't. I still don't think that <laughs> that this movie would have gotten well. The rulers much, of Mandalore much more better <laughs> reaction than what we got with Rise of Skywalker. I think it would still yeah. be even worse of a reaction. Probably. Yeah. 
I, that might be something we have to do, though, Dan. I think you might be onto something. We got to go back and watch it together, record ourselves, and then hear our podcast of what we did after it came out. Yeah, uh, a year removed. I still like it. It's not what I would have hoped for. I don't think it was the fine capping moment that I think the Skywalker saga deserved. But I think that fate was sealed by Episode Eight. Yeah, I just don't think there's much you could do to change things at that point. So, well, uh, and it could have been better. I think they definitely needed to take their time with it more than they were given. A, a lot of our perception is also changed because of the Mandalorian though, too, because of how good it is. And that did not help matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did because we love the show, but as far as, you know, specifically talking about rise of Skywalker, it definitely hurt that even more too, because it just showed that good star Wars can still be made. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys, that's uh, pretty much going to go and wrap things up for the show this week. Again, uh, a general lack of real good news to talk about this week, so we kind of went into some things that were just kind of fun to chat about. But in the meantime, we will continue to post a whole bunch of stuff on our social media platforms, so make sure you check that out. Uh, please make sure you join us every week with new episodes of the Four Geeks of Star Wars podcast dropping every Monday, usually, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and just about any place you get your podcast from, we are there. Also active on social media is our good friend Daniel Wolf. Dan, how can they find you? On Twitter at Daily Superhero and on Facebook, The Daily Superhero. All right. Please feel free to hit us up uh, with your emails at theforcegeeks at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, so follow us at theforcegeeks and on Facebook. Just search The Force Geeks. We're on Instagram at theforcegeeks, surprisingly enough, and we're also posting away with our favorite memes and news items. You can join us there on our newly created The Force Geeks of Star Wars podcast listener group on Facebook as well. That's where you can join the community and post your own interesting thoughts, memes, and news items to share in the community. And we appreciate you listening so much. By the way, uh, as you're liking, sharing, and following, remember that uh, we also appreciate those likes on the uh, the actually giving us a thumbs up or whatever on your podcast catcher of choice and those reviews. Please uh, give us a kind word. We do appreciate those very, very much. And also remember, if you don't follow the Force Geeks, you're looking for your Star Wars in Alderaan places. Talk to you soon, and may the Force be with you always. Mm-hmm.